Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike, and with me, as always, is your other co-host, John. John, how you doing tonight? We're doing good, man. Uh, this is round two. Uh, we are giving this another shot. Uh, we had it all recorded last night, um, and uh, let me tell you, uh, for anybody listening, it was perfect. So um, it really went well last night, folks. <laughs> we don't know how it's going to go this time, but it really went well last time. But the audio track was had a problem with it, and we couldn't put out bad audio. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So we're here giving it another shot, and uh, yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Awesome. All right, John, anything you want to talk about up front before we jump into the games? Absolutely. As always, um, if you want to find We Live for Saturday, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at We Live for B1G Sat. That's at We Live for B1G Sat. You can also email us if you have any questions, comments, whatever you want to talk about, any suggestions. Uh, constructive criticism, we're all for it. You can email us again at uh, we live for Saturday b1g at gmail.com. That's we live for Saturday b1g at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. Should we jump right into these games, John, since this is our second time through? Let's do it, man. All right. The first game is a game that we've both been waiting for, I'd say, for weeks now. I've been excited about this game. We've got Number seven, Penn State, going to the horseshoe to take on number three, Ohio State. This is an 11 a.m. game on Fox Central Time, better known as the big noon kickoff game. Um, So that's a big deal. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. The line is OSU by four. So that's interesting. I know a lot of people that I've heard this week are picking Penn State. So it's interesting that the line is still favoring the Buckeyes. Uh, Total yards, we've got Penn State averages 427 to Ohio State's 443. So very similar there. Yards allowed, Penn State just 194 and Ohio State 264. So really impressive numbers for both both there. Drew Aller for Penn State has... 1,254 yards passing on 65% completion, 6.9 yards per attempt, 12 TDs, and zero picks. I heard this stat this week, John, that Drew Aller has yet to throw a pick as a collegiate quarterback. That's insane. That's wild. Now that we're halfway through the season, that's it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton lead the way at running back at 4.8 yards per rush and 4.1 yards per rush, respectively. And Keandre Lambert-Smith continues to be the top Penn State wide receiver with 402 yards on 13 yards per catch and three TDs. He is by far Penn State's top option. Wide receiver Harrison Wallace and tight ends Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are the other main targets for Aller. Penn State has struggled to generate off explosive plays on offense. That's been the one knock on them on what has been a pretty good offense. Uh, they'll need those explosive plays if they're going to beat the Buckeyes. So Penn State's run the ball well. They've thrown the ball well, but it's all been kind of controlled, methodical, uh, without a lot of big splash plays. Um, on defense for Penn State, Adisa Isaac leads the way with five sacks. And Penn State has the best pass rush in the entire country, and they're going to need that pass rush to really show up this year. They've got an eye-popping 27 sacks on the year, so they really show up. All right, for Ohio State, Kyle McCord has put up impressive numbers, 1,651 yards on 64% completions, 9.7 yards per attempt, which means he's both efficient and explosive. He also has 11 TDs to just one pick. Travion Henderson is the top Buckeye back, and they really need him back for this game after both he and Mayan Williams sat out against Purdue. Henderson's averaging 6.7 yards per rush, which is far better than his backups in Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams at just 4.6 and 3.8 yards re- respectively. A lot of Buckeye fans are calling for Dallin Hayden to get more snaps. Um, the young back has looked pretty good in spot time. And Marvin Harrison is the best wide receiver in the country with 604 yards receiving on a crazy 19.5 yards per catch. 19.5, John. That is bananas. He also <laughs> has five TDs. And wide receivers Emeka Buka, Julian Fleming, and tight end Cade Stover round out the best set of pass catchers in America. Although Emeka Abuka has been a little banged up as well. 
On defense, Tommy Eichenberg has been a monster with 46 tackles, including 30 solo. All right, John, how are you seeing this game? Uh, yeah, I know there's been a lot of chatter about Penn State, um, you know, maybe having a slight edge here, mainly due to uh, just um, how healthy Ohio State is going to be coming into this game. And health is definitely going to be a theme throughout this podcast um, pertaining to a lot of teams. Uh, it's just that time yep. of year. It's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I look at Ohio state, you know, I, I, there's a lot of firepower there. I mean, Kyle McCord continues to impress. He looks better and better every, every game. Um, and clearly they have the, the targets downfield. Um, but it's, you know, how that running game, you know, are they going to be able to be balanced? Cause that is going to be something they're going to need. And if they don't have, uh, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, or Chip Trainum, you know, you're down to two scholarship backs. And that's a scary place to be against a team like Penn State, especially with that defense that they have, which is also incredibly impressive. Uh, so I think um, as of right now, I have to say that Penn State, I get why people are talking the way they are. I think they are the more balanced team, the more complete team. I understand they don't have the explosiveness. Um, which is clearly the main you know, critique when it comes to Penn State <clears throat> and their offense and whatnot. But but they're solid and and they just continue to do what they do and they do it well and they win games. And so, you know, there's that. But then, you know, on the flip side, you're looking at Ohio State, who clearly has a ton of offensive power, firepower, even, you know, at least through the air. Um, maybe they'll be able to just have some semblance of a run game uh, to take a little pressure off of McCord. But he he's clearly able to do a lot with his arm alone. I mean, he's just he's a phenomenal talent. And but and then on the defense, um, you know, that Ohio State defense looks just phenomenal. One of the best. I think, we you know, you've mentioned it before. One of the best in years. So it's going to be a pretty balanced game, I think. Um it's, you know, it could come down to explosive plays and who can accomplish that. You know, I think the one thing I'll say for Ohio State is they have played maybe some better competition um, yep. overall, you know, with that win against Notre Dame. Um, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Notre Dame is not Penn State. They're not as good as, as Penn State, but still. No, but they're solid. They're a very good team. I Absolutely. mean, what they, what they did to USC was impressive the other night. Absolutely. So, you know, I, as of right now, I mean, I guess I have to lean toward, towards Penn State on paper, but, you know, it's also at the horseshoe and it's Ohio State. So they always got other guys. Yeah, it's a wild matchup. I mean, Penn State and Ohio State are second and third in the country in scoring defense. That is crazy to have yeah. in one game. And you know who number one is, John? That's Michigan. Yep. So the Big Ten East dominates defensively. Um, especially at the top of the league. It's really, really impressive. Mm -hmm. So my first question is, which team plays better defense? They're both elite units, but they're both facing elite offenses, you know, and the both facing the best offenses they've each each unit has seen all year. So that's something I want to track. The Ohio State offensive line has been up and down all year. Is this the week that bites them? You know, they're playing against an unbelievable Penn State defensive line. And is this going to be... is this going to be the week when that comes back to get them? Penn State's got the top rushing offense in the Big Ten. Ohio State has better receivers. Penn State's advantages are probably, I mean, pass rush and offensive line and just general health Yeah, right now. Um, but Penn State's wide receivers outside of Keandre Labyrinth-Smith also have not played to expectations this year. Mm. That has been a weaker spot in this offense. And so that's something that gives me a little bit of pause too. Um, I think when it comes to, oh yeah, if Ohio State is healthy, on Tuesday, Ryan Day had an interesting comment. He said about Travion Henderson, Emeka Ogbuka, and Mayan Williams, all of whom missed the Purdue game. He said, quote, I'm not going to get into all those guys, but hopeful that we'll have all those guys back for Saturday, close quote. So I thought that was interesting to me. He didn't sound, he didn't say, I hope I'll have one or two of those guys back. He said, I'm hopeful that I'll have all those guys back. So either that's gamesmanship 
or else maybe those guys are ready. Maybe they were closer to ready when we thought and Ohio State just knew they weren't going to need them last week Mm -hmm. and decided to rest them up for this game. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, So I do really think a lot of it comes down to whether Travion Henderson plays, though, and that's why it's frustrating to not have any idea if he's going to play or not. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I think really you we're going to find out that, you know, with the loss, if Travion Henderson does not play, that that could be very impactful and, and could cause some major issues for Ohio State's offense. But I, they're still going to score points. I mean, that's just they are going to score points. They are going to be able to move the ball, um, I think, you know, but I do think it's probably going to be more of a defensive battle and a little bit lower scoring game, um, dare I say, uh, <laughs> slightly <laughs> Big Ten West ish yeah yeah i like it no i think so man i think it is gonna be a old school knockout drag out kind of kind of big 10 fight yeah um and i'm really excited for it because these defenses have been incredible all year um ohio state's defense is really solid it'll take big plays to beat them i think mm-hmm. um but their pass rush is not what it's been at times in past years. There's no Chase Young or Bosa brother walking through that door. And that's another thing that where Penn State just has. I know we we, we touched on it, but that is a clear advantage there. Um, John, anything else you want to say about this one before we pick it? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think just it's going to come down to, you know, it could be a turnover battle or whoever happens to you know, have more explosive plays. That's really what it's, what it's going to come down to, but it's going to be a defensive battle all around. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. I think it's going to come down to turnovers, splash plays, and just which, which defense is, the, is the best. I mean, we're going to see, we've seen them. They're both ranked really high, you know, and I think seeing them both on the same field is going to be, is going to tell us a lot about, you know, who matches up the best. Yeah. So, I'm excited for this, John. I've been pumped for this game for weeks. Yeah, it's gonna uh, be awesome. I'm really curious to hear who you're picking and if anything has changed since the first time we did this podcast. <laughs> well, I may <laughs> I may have tweaked a few things here and there. I don't think I've changed like who I'm picking to win. I think I may have just adjusted some scores here. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, I do think uh, this is going to be more of a defensive battle, so probably not uh, a lot of fireworks, not a high-scoring game. Um, uh, I have... I actually do, um, you know, have Penn State winning, um, but I have them winning 24 to Ohio State's 20. <laughs> you don't really, do you? I do. Awesome. <laughs> All crazy. right. I know. but I think that Penn State is the more complete team. I think that Penn State pass rush is absolutely terrifying. And the fact that Penn state has a balanced offense really bodes well for them in this game. And for the rest of the year, you know, they can run the ball, they can throw the ball. Um, they stop the run, they stop the pass They're You know, they're a really complete team. I think all of those things about Penn state, but John it's 2023 and in college football in this day and age, in this year where we sit right now, you know, what wins, you know, what wins, I'll tell you what wins. explosive plays. That's what wins. And I don't know if Penn state outside of Keandre Lambert Smith has the receiving options to make those explosive plays. And I think it's going to be a knockdown defensive battle. I think there's going to be a lot of punts. And when you really desperately need to score, you know, Marvin Harrison can come out and get a 20, 30, make a 20, 30, 50 yard play just like that at any time. And that can totally change a defensive ball game like this. You know, we saw in the Iowa and the Wisconsin game, they were neck and neck. They were going right back and forth. Iowa breaks an 82-yard touchdown run. After that, um, that was it. You know, there was no coming back from that. Now, obviously, Ohio State and Penn State are not Iowa and Wisconsin. And someone's already mad at me that I made that comparison. And <laughs> West theme that you started. It's true. It's my fault, actually. Yes, it's going to be that. So (laughs) I have got Ohio State 24, Penn State 20. Whoa. Yeah, I changed my my score and we ended up with the same score, but different teams. Okay. All right. 
All right, I like it. I like it. And very similar games. I could see. I could see that scenario happen for sure. Yeah, it's gonna. We're really excited for this one. Yeah, it's gonna. All right, moving on to the next game, we've got the Rutgers Scarlet Knights going to Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. This is an 11 a.m. game on the Big Ten Network. The line is Rutgers negative five. Total yards, Rutgers averages 329 to Indiana's 317. Yards allowed, Rutgers uh, allows 277 yards per game to Indiana's 375. So Rutgers is pretty impressive defensively. Uh, Rutgers QB Gavin Wimsat has 1,095 yards passing, but on just 51% completions, 6.5 yards per attempt, 7 TDs and 4 picks. Running back Kyle Menungai has 635 yards on 5.3 yards per rush and seven TDs. He's been the star of the show for Rutgers all year. Jackson Dremel and Washington lead the receiving core, but of course this is a run first, second, and third kind of outfit. And linebacker Tyreem Powell's having a big year, and safety Flip Dixon is seemingly everywhere in coverage for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, I use QBs have been struggling. I say QBs because they've been playing both Taven Jackson and Brendan Soresby. Uh, Jackson was far better earlier in the year and won the job for a while, but he's gotten, he's regressed since conference play started mm-hmm. and he's kind of gotten worse and worse. And Soresby was probably the better, was definitely the better QB on Saturday as, uh, Jackson had a bunch of turnovers. So who gets the nod in this one? Uh, Tom Allen from his comments makes it sound like he wants someone to seize the job. Nobody wants to be playing two quarterbacks halfway through the season. So I think the first guy that has a good drive that's going to be, you know, he's probably going to ride the hot hand if anyone gets hot at all. Um, I expect both to play on Saturday, but yeah, like I said, Tom Allen's got to find one. And even though Jackson has a slightly better completion percentage with 61 to 52, a lot of that came in non-conference play. And Soresby's just been better recently. The IU run game has been bad. Jalen Lucas is a dynamic player, but there just haven't been holes to run through. Uh, Cam Camper, Donovan McCulley, Jalen Lucas, and Omar Cooper are Indiana's top receiving targets, and they've played they've played all right at times. Um, when the, they can get the ball to them, they can make some plays. Jalen Lucas particularly, and Cam Camper. On D, Aaron Casey's has been a beast at linebacker with 35 tackles and three sacks. Need a big game from him and that defense to stop this, uh, this pounding, in-your-face Rutgers attack. So, John... Uh, how does this game look to you? Well, um, I think Indiana, I mean, they're clearly, they're in a lot of trouble and I think, um, this could be in a way, you know, Tom Allen coaching for his job. Uh, so $20 million buyout though. That's true. But you know, if he loses this game, I mean, let's just say it's, this is going to be, he's got to turn it around soon. And if if it's not this week, when's it going to happen? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, but let's not, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad. I mean, this is a good Rutgers team, man. This is a really good Rutgers team. Absolutely. So this is not like, you know, you're what we're all used to seeing and, and, you know, having Rutgers being the butt of the joke, this team is actually good. This is a bowl bowl team. Um, I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. Uh, this they could possibly go to seven and five. I could see it happening um, with the way they're going. As long as they stay healthy, it could. Yeah, um, for sure. So you know, it's when I look at Indiana right now. Um, you know, we're halfway through the season, and Tom Allen has got to go with the quarterback. I, I, you know, at this point in time, I don't. You know, yes, I, I do think Sorsby is the better choice, but pick someone. And, and roll with them like you just have to I think it's just causing too much uh, uncertainty I think you just need to find your identity and stick with it um, and get behind whoever you're going to pick and just well there's only so many reps in practice too yeah. you need your starter to be getting the full complement of reps to be fully ready to play yeah and when so you're I splitting just... time it's no good no. And so I think we got to, you know, he's got to figure that out and he's got to just go with it at this point in time. Like what else you got to lose? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I do think that, uh, um, Rutgers, you know, I mean, they got Manungai. He continues to impress. He's just so much fun to watch. Uh, and I yeah, think that Wimsat is getting better. Um, you know, he's not, you know, blowing anybody away, but he's still continuing to progress and, and Rutgers defense, man. I mean, they are flying. Uh, Flip Dixon just looks incredible. He's all over the field. 
So I, I don't know, man. I don't know how Indiana is going to counter this. This is tough, dude. This is really tough. They got to be really creative. I mean, I agree they need to be creative, and they, they scored on a wide receiver, on a double pass from a wide receiver to a wide receiver last week, and it's going to take that kind of, you know, honestly, you should almost save that play for Rutgers. Yeah. Tom Allen, maybe. But uh, but they got to run stuff like that for sure. I'll tell you how Indiana can stay in it, John. Gavin Wimsat is not always careful with the football. That is true. And he threw two picks last week. So I just think that IU has to attack Wimsat and force him into turnovers. Mm. And the way to attack Wimsat is to force Rutgers into second and third and long when they feel like they have to throw it and they can't just turn and hand it to Kyle Manungai. Yeah. No, that's true. That's it. That's that's really <clears throat> that's the only thing I can see is if you capitalize on the turnover game for pulling out a win here. Otherwise, I think uh, you know Manunga is too good and Rutgers defense is just too good. Yeah, I mean Indiana can play a little defense too. I don't think they're terrible defensively. No. Um, if their defense really shows up, if they win the turnover battle, if they can get an early lead, you know, those are things that could give them a chance for sure. Um, but Rutgers is playing with a lot of confidence right now. Yeah. And they look really tough. It's that Kirk Shiraka offense, man. You know, <sighs> it is though. That's it's the just, thing. It is. It really works in some systems. It really does. Yeah. For a I time. Mean, <laughs> he'll give you, he'll hit you with the same, you know, few plays over and over until your offense just masters it. Yep. <laughs> and then he'll go from there and build around it. And it, it works for him. You got to yep. give it up. Yep. All right, you want to pick this one? Sure, yeah. Um, I have Rutgers 28, Indiana 10. All right. I've got the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 21, the Indiana Hoosiers 10. Okay. All right. So I think Indiana's got some fight left in them. I think that they I think the players have always loved Tom Allen a lot and played hard for him, I thought. So if there was ever a time to play hard for your coach, it's now. I just, I just worry about that, how they score points. Yeah. 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 All right. Moving on to the next game. We have got the Minnesota Golden Gophers traveling to Iowa City to take on the number 24 Hawkeyes. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on NBC. The line's Iowa negative three and a half. And that's already down from negative five and a half, though. Mm -hmm. So I think Minnesota, the line's moving Minnesota's way due to all the Iowa injuries. Uh, Minnesota and Iowa play for what is, I in in my estimation, the greatest traveling trophy in all of college football. It is. It just is. That's a fact. It is a nearly 100-pound bronze pig, which was Beautiful. modeled after a prize-winning pig, which it once was. Floyd of Ro from Rosedale Farms, so Floyd of Rosedale. So Dude. if you don't know the story of Floyd, you should Google Floyd of Rosedale and have a good time. Um, it's it's a really unique history, and it's a lot of fun. Yep. So total yards, Minnesota averages 313 to Iowa's 247. Yards allowed, Minnesota's allowing 373 to Iowa's 326. I will say Minnesota and Iowa have played some pretty stiff competition, though, and I think that's why the yards allowed is a little higher than you would think for teams that play both play pretty good defense, um, Iowa particularly, of course. Um, at QB for Minnesota, Ethan Kaliak Manis has 797 yards passing on 56% completions, just 5.9 yards per attempt, six TDs and six picks. Darius Taylor has been out, but the rumor is he might be back against Iowa. We don't know for sure, but there are rumblings behind the scenes in, on Twitter in the message board world that make you think that there's a chance he's a decent chance he's going to play. And the Gophers certainly hope they he does because he has 532 yards rushing on 6.2 yards per rush and four TDs. Um, Evans is a really good backup. Tyler's a fine backup, but Taylor's special and a difference maker, in my opinion. I just think it's a different game if he's able to play. 
Jackson and Crooms continue to be the top receivers for Minnesota. It's important that they get involved in the game early, I think, to set the tone that Minnesota can stress the Iowa defense on the ground and in the air. Um, otherwise, Minnesota will become too one-dimensional. If they become one-dimensional, you know, that's bad news against an Iowa defense. The Iowa defense, you don't want to give them one thing to defend. They're they're too good. Um, they're too talented to just attack them one way. On defense, Danny Strigow has 17 tackles and three sacks from the DN position. I think he really needs to play well on Saturday, both rushing the passer and holding the edge. And yeah, for Iowa, QB Deacon Hill has struggled a lot. He's had 311 yards passing, 38.6% completions, which is, that's really abysmal. A paltry 4.4 yards per attempt, two TDs and two picks. Uh, yeah, those are just brutal stats, but luckily Iowa has LaShawn Williams who leads the way with 459 yards rushing on 6.1 yards per rush. And he had an 82 yard TD to help win the Wisconsin game last weekend. Caleb Johnson's a capable backup in his own right. And is, you know, is worthy of is a guy who you could slot in at the starter and has been the starter at times in the past. And Iowa really needs to depend on its ground game now that its two top receiving options are out for the year and tight ends Luke Lachey and Eric All. Um, John, how are you seeing this one This one breakdown? Well, well I want to touch on something pertaining to Iowa after we break down the game. but um, So I'll just start with this, but uh, and we'll discuss that. We've, um, but um, yeah, when it comes to this game, though, I... Uh, this is tough, dude. I mean, it's pretty much a coin flip. I I know it's in Iowa City. I know Minnesota has not won in Iowa City since 1999. I get it. We've been, you know, I've seen it all over Twitter for the past week. Um, so, uh, but I think that if not now, when? You know, this, you know, we talked about how injuries are a theme here. This is very much a thing here with this Iowa team. Um, it's it does not look good. Um, you know, their passing game was already struggling, even when they did have pass catchers that that could come down with the ball. Um, it's this is going to be rough. Um, they're going to be very one dimensional. Uh, their running game is coming along well. It does look a lot better. Um, the last two games, they've really improved in the run game. Yes, the last two games, they've really improved. Um, do I think they're elite? No, but do I think that they're getting better? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some, some, something to be concerned about for the Minnesota defense that they'll have to keep track of there. But when it comes to the pass game though, I don't know who, like who, who are, who is Deacon Hill throwing to and who can, and and even when Deacon Hill does get it on target, who comes down with it? Like I, I, it's just, it's not good right now. Yeah. Right now, Iowa's leading active receiver is Nico Ragagini. And he has just 83 yards receiving for the whole year. So I think Iowa will live and die on its ground game defense and special teams. But luckily, Iowa's defense is incredible. Led by DBs Cooper DeGene and Sebastian Castro and DL and defensive lineman YA Black. Um, These guys are difference makers and they're a big part of why this D is so effective. Iowa also has the best punter in the country in Torrey Taylor. And he's coming off perhaps his best game ever with 500 yards punting and several down inside the 20 and a couple inside the five, one that led to a safety. Yeah. So he was the MVP. Tory Taylor was the MVP of the Wisconsin game, in my opinion. Oh, like, hands no down. Question. So yeah. I don't know, man. I This is tough. I do think this is a really evenly matched game. And I do. I think like, does Darius Taylor play? That's a question I have. Because yeah. if he plays, I think Zach Evans is good. And Sean Tyler's fine. And Bryce Williams is okay. But if Darius Taylor is playing, I mean, he's special, man. And having oh, yeah. him and Evans together, that's really a big deal. Oh, so absolutely. My first question is, which team can run the ball? Because if if I, th- I see different games coming, like I could see a game where both teams can run the ball. I can see a game where neither team can run the ball. But I can tell you one thing. If one team can run the ball and the other can't, the team that can run the ball is going to win this year. Yeah. You know? Iowa's gotten gotten away with um, with getting chunk plays in the passing game against Minnesota in recent years to kind of carry their offense, but I just I don't know who's going to catch them this time. So I think it's going to have to if Iowa's going to make hay on Saturday and move the ball, I think it's going to have to be on the ground. Oh yeah, first, <clears throat> second, and third. 
Well, and we saw, you know, during the Wisconsin game, you saw Wisconsin come out throwing through the air. And it just, not that they didn't find some success here and there, but it did not work. It just didn't. It worked better when they ran the ball because Iowa's DBs are fantastic. Exactly. (laughs) So, like, you can, we've seen you can run on Iowa. You can. It can be done. Um, You know, it's just passing the ball is your, you know, I'm going to be holding my breath every time Ethan lets go of that ball. It's terrifying to me. Um, But, you know, really, this works to what PJ wants to do anyway. So I assume Minnesota is just going to run the ball, especially if there's I mean, I shouldn't say especially it's it's going to happen either way, whether Darius is playing or not. Um, But obviously having Darius there uh, with along with Zach Evans, I think is just going to be uh, that definitely leans in favor by quite a bit. Uh, for Minnesota, at least in the run game. Um, I'd say they're far superior is in, in that regard. Um, and then when it comes to the passing game, you know, not to say that, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot or a lot of or much success, but at least um, Minnesota has a couple pass catchers that actually can come down with the ball from time to time. And, <clears throat> and so that Jackson's a legit receiver. Oh yeah. 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 And Corey Crooms has had his moments this year too. For sure. Yeah. So there's there is some threats down the field there, um, but, you know, just don't ever I don't care when or what's going on. Don't ever, ever throw it to wherever Cooper DeGene is. No, Um, don't Uh ever punt him the ball. Don't let him touch the ball, period. Ever for any reason. No, I don't care what you what else you have to do. Just don't let that happen. And you might win this game. So I'm Minnesota's (laughs) offensive coordinators. Uh, Matt Simon and Greg Harbo, I am I am doing whatever I can to scheme Cooper DeGene away from where I want to throw the ball. Yep. And if I'm, you know, Minnesota on special teams, n- absolutely not kicking it to him for any reason. Never. <laughs> no, unless it's a sky punt and he's going to have to call fair catch. You cannot kick it to him and give him a chance to return it. That lost the game. Michigan State was about to beat Iowa. And then yeah. Cooper DeGene got an interception and a punt return for a touchdown. And then Michigan State did not beat Iowa. Yep. Well, and if we're going to talk, we haven't really talked about, you know, Minnesota's defense now, too. And if we have to see, you know, talk about health, you know, if if miraculously. Um, well, first off, Jack Henderson, you know, is is he going to be playing or is it going to be McDonald? Um, which so we'll have to see where that is. We'll have to keep an eye on that. And then also, if there is some miracle. Jack Henderson's which, been playing really well, too. He has. But what would be the miracle would be, which I'm not holding my breath. I th- I'm just have a feeling he's probably out for the season. Yeah. Um, is if Cody Lindenberg walks onto that field suited up. If Cody Lindenberg comes out to play, I'm yeah. If he comes out to play, I'm going to lose my actual mind. Yeah. That would be like, that would be a legendary guy comes back from injury unexpectedly kind of moment. But I don't, ex- I don't think that's going to happen. I think no. I'm with you. I think he's probably just missing the whole season at this point. Yeah. Because but I we haven't say- heard any positive rumblings in weeks. No, no. And, but I, what I will say though, is that I do think, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of people are talking about Iowa's run game and how Minnesota has gotten beat with it's Minnesota has done well against the run when it comes to running backs. They've just done terribly when there's been a mobile quarterback running the ball. That's when they have failed. So thankfully Deacon Hill is not mobile. No, no, he's, he's yeah, he is not. (laughs) Um, yeah, my question is, um, has the Iowa running game really turned a corner and will Minnesota be able to slow them down? Because if Minnesota can slow them down, that's going to be a big deal. Um, can Minnesota, what did I just say? Can Minnesota rediscover its passing game? <laughs> Ethan's been up and down this year. Is this a game where he gets back on track or is this a game where he throws another pick six? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know. He's been, you know, he's been better. He's been good more than he's been bad. But when he's been bad, he's been really bad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, granted, against Michigan, he was running for his life all the time. But Which anybody would be. Yes. But against North Carolina, he wasn't. And he was still really bad. Yep. So um, Iowa, they can't throw the ball. How do they scheme up to get chunk plays? Do they use a lot of misdirection in the running game? Are they going to, are we going to see handoffs to wide receivers? Um, You know, do they scheme up some kind of trick plays? Are we going to get like a halfback pass or something? Like I expect Kirk Ferentz to go into his bag on this one. Yeah. 
and to come out and to run a couple because they're going to have to do something without a traditional passing game. They're going to have to do something to move the ball um, outside of just run it. And so they're going to have to hit on some trick plays, I think, or at least one. You know, that's the thing. Iowa's defense is so good against Wisconsin. They hit on one big play and that was enough to seal the game for them. Yep. So, well, so yeah, it's, it's, you can't, you, you, I'm not saying you can't make mistakes against Iowa. Cause I think you can't be afraid to play, make mistakes, but you'd better limit those mistakes. Absolutely. Well, and, and if we're, you know, just one last, you know, position that I want to talk about one last group is, is, you know, talking about special teams, which everybody knows Iowa is just lights out. Um, yep possibly best in the country and now minnesota if you want to stay in this and you want to be able to have some you know be able to compete and be able to score some points um consistently to any degree uh you're gonna have to let your return man return the freaking ball yeah you just have to you have you to john tyler in because he had partially because he had a few t- uh kick return touchdowns for mm-hmm. western michigan let him return the ball and see if he can pop a big one. Yeah. Well, and even if not like five yards, 10 yards, anything is better than what, what we've been doing. And so just let him try, man. I feel like you got nothing to lose at this point and you're going to need it. You might need those five yards or those 10 yards. It's- right. Because, because of Tory Taylor, Minnesota is going to be losing. If, if it's a stalemate, right? If it's mm-hmm. punt, 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 punt kind of thing, Minnesota is going to be losing that battle. Because yep. Corey Taylor is going to punt it so much further than Mark Crawford is. He just is. Yep. Um, Minnesota has a decent kicker. So it's, it's it's the punting game where I think Minnesota really, you know, that's really where the struggle has been compared to Iowa. Yeah. And so Minnesota is going to have to move the ball because um, if they don't, Torrey Taylor is going to win the field position battle and give Iowa short fields. But the difference, you know, and then we're talking about Torrey Taylor, but now, you know, Let's talk about Dragon Kessage and what an actual threat in a game like this he could be. Oh, absolutely. In a close game. I mean, Dragon mm-hmm. Kessage, he's I mean, he's got range from way past 50. Oh, yeah. I think you it know, was as long as 55, 56 so far. I, mean, I was, forget offhand. And I think it was, it was still way. going. I think he still had like room to go. The Nebraska game winner was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he crushed. I've rarely seen a kicker crush a ball the way he crushed that ball. That was that was ridiculous stuff. I think in North, I think the Northwestern game, he hit a 55 or a 56 yard field goal. And there was and it it didn't just like barely go in. There was still room. No, no, no. no. Yeah. He's got a big, big leg. Yeah. Um, I always got a good kicking game, too. Yes, they do. We should note that. But but yeah, Dragan Kestich is probably going to be called on to make a big kick in this game. And I think whether or not he makes it is going to go a long way towards deciding. Who wins the game? Yep. Shall we call it? Yeah. Should we do it? Uh, before before we give our score, Ooh. should we talk about Iowa? Yes. Uh, so we're gonna we're we're gonna put you in suspense, folks, for just a little bit, and we're gonna talk about an issue that we meant to talk about up front, but we just kind of forgot because it's the second time through, and we're just rolling, baby. <laughs> All right, John. Floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, I know you're going to add into this as well, but I know there's been a ton of talk, um, whether it's the national media <clears throat> or some major podcasts, um, and they know who they are, of just a lot of uh, uh, people disparaging and obviously pointing out, um, you know, how terrible Iowa's offense is, and and not giving any credit to how they have won games and how they are six and one in the Big Ten and why they are ranked the way they are. Um, because they just, everyone just defaults to the, to the Iowa offense joke. And that's been going on all year, even preseason. It's been a thing since last year and it's not unwarranted to a degree, but I think at this point in time though, if you're just totally taking away the fact that this defense and the special teams and how they happen to just win games in the way they do, there's something to it. Yes. I want to call it evil wizardry magic, you know, um, which to some degree I might even believe, but I, but at the same time, (laughs) like there's some actual like, like thought and, and, and like, you know, that that's going into this and skill and planning and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a real thing. Um, it just doesn't seem that way sometimes, (laughs) but, um, so you like know, voodoo I, black magic, but no, yeah. it's, it's, but it's legit. It's football. It's, legit. it's football. It's, it is. There, there are three parts of football, offense, defense, and special teams. And on defense and special teams, Iowa is crushing it. Yep. And here's the thing. 
you said it. You just said it right now. I'm going to repeat it because I think it's that important. Iowa is six and one in the Big Ten Conference, and they played Penn State already. They're six and one, and their only loss is to a team that is ranked seventh in the country and could prove to be a top three or four team in the country come Saturday. Yep. So that's a really hard thing to do. And Iowa should be getting a lot of credit. And the fact that they've been reduced to a punchline nationally is insulting. And it's not just insulting to Iowa. It's insulting to every team that's not a traditional power helmet school that has a big year. Yeah. Um, Because they find ways to dismiss those too. The new trend in the way... Uh, people cover this sport, and there's there's one there's one person in particular who I'm not going to call out out loud, but I'm just going to say who thinks that if you don't recruit in the top ten of the country and you don't play at a top five level rated in the country, you don't count. You don't yep. matter. You're bad. You're terrible. And I'm tired of that. And that's been applied to Iowa across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, John, there are even people saying now that Michigan hasn't played anybody yet. Never mind the fact that Michigan is sandblasting the opposition into nothing every single week. Yep. People are actually criticizing Michigan performance. So the Iowa thing is really insulting. I'm going to say it for a third time. They are 6-1 and one in the Big Ten Conference, and that is a really hard thing to do seven games into a season. Absolutely. So Iowa deserves all of the praise. Their defense is incredible. Tory Taylor is a once in a lifetime punter, a once yeah. in a lifetime punter yep. who is a weapon. Iowa always just about always has good punting, but Tory Taylor is different, is in a different world. And that's what we should be talking about. Yep. That's what we should be talking about. We should be talking about Tory Taylor and Cooper DeGene and Sebastian Castro and, and YA Black. Yep. That's who we should be talking about. And we're not. And it's frustrating to me that that's how the conversation trends. And yeah, Iowa didn't do themselves any favor with the contract that required 25 points a game. That was the stupidest PR move any college football team has almost ever pulled. Yeah, I mean, that was really bad PR. But you know what? It's not the players' fault that that, that, that happened. That's true. And we should be rewarding the players for having a, a great first half of their season. Yep. Yeah. I agree. And this is coming from two Gopher fans, by the way. We're both Gopher fans here. So Iowa, this is all this is all of the love you're you're getting before (laughs) before hate week here. This is the love you're getting during hate week. So it's a beautiful thing that brings us all together. And that's a national media being terrible. All right, John, should we pick it? Let's pick it. All right, go ahead. All right. Well, I just have a feeling, like I said, if not now, when? And because of how beaten up Iowa is right now, I just think Minnesota has a slight edge. And if they get Darius back, this is what I'm basing this on. I think Minnesota comes out with the win, wins in Iowa City for the first time in over 20 years, 13 to 10. Ooh, same score as last year, but different teams. Yes. I think that if I'm looking at the offense and defense for both teams, I think the Iowa defense is the best unit of the four. Right? Yeah, I agree. And that means something. And when I'm picking games, I always take that in into account. But it's not just Eric All and Luke Lachey and Cade McNamara. There are a couple injuries Iowa has on the defensive line. We don't know if they're going to play. We don't know if Black is going to play. And if he doesn't play, that's a huge loss. Iowa is really banged up right now. And Minnesota just had a bye week to try to get healthy and to spend the whole time preparing for Iowa. So as good as Iowa is, and I do think Iowa is a very good team, I think that the way things are lining up with the injuries, with with coming up with Minnesota coming off a bye week, with all those little things, um, I think this shapes up as a good chance for Minnesota to reclaim Floyd. So I've got the Minnesota Golden Gophers 17, the Iowa Hawkeyes 13. And for all the sicko gamblers out there, and we love you. We love you. We're not gamblers ourselves, but we love you who are the gamblers. 
notice that we both picked unders. It's down to 30 and a half points over <laughs> under. And we still both picked unders in this game. Yes. So if that's not a statement about what we're going to see on Saturday, probably, I don't know what is. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next game. We've got the Wisconsin Badgers going to Champaign to play the Illinois Illini. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1. The line is Wisconsin by two and a half. Total yards, Wisconsin's allowing 400 to Illinois' 372. Yards allowed, Wisconsin's allowing 335 to Illinois' 398. Uh, Wisconsin's starting QB Tanner Mordecai is out with a hand injury for the foreseeable future, so that is unfortunate. But again, we've had a parade of injuries uh, we've had to talk about, unfortunately. So it's Frosh QB Braden Locke is the guy. And for the year, he has 130 passing yards on 51.6% completions for just 4.2 yards per attempt, which is pretty low. He's got zero TDs and one pick. Wisconsin's going to have to rely on its ground game now that uh, their senior QB is out for a while. Running back Braylon Allen continues to lead the Badgers with 559 yards rushing on a healthy 6.1 yards per attempt and seven TDs. Jackson Aker is a capable backup. Pauling, DK, Green, and Bell lead the Badgers in receiving, but without Mordecai, it'll it's a question about how much the use they're going to get. My guess is they'll try to put him in uh, positive game script, short yardage kind of things to pass the ball and only throw the ball either on second or third and really long or else when they get a good look and think they can get something, exploit something, um, I just expect them to run the ball a lot. On defense, Hunter Wohler's having a monster year at safety with 37 tackles and a sack. For Illinois, it's been an up-and-down year for signal caller Luke Altmeyer. He does have 1,571 yards passing on 63% completions. That's good. However, he's thrown eight picks and nine interceptions. That's a lot of interceptions. And in his defense, he's been running for his life a lot. The Illini O-line's been really bad most of the year, although they played a lot better last week against Maryland in the upset win. So it's good to see the Illini O-line improve so much so deep into the season. The question is, can they keep it going Saturday against Wisconsin? Uh, Caden Fagan has merged as perhaps the top option at running back after playing a lot more in recent weeks for the Badgers. He averages 5.4 yards per rush. Uh, Isaiah Williams is a star for Illinois with 546 yards receiving on 13 yards per catch and a TD. Bryant and Washington are the other threats, but Williams is the star and they need him to have a big game. I think if they're going to have a chance to pull off this upset on D Illinois is led by Johnny Newton and that D line. They've been up and down this year, but when they play well, they are difference makers. Um, John, how are you seeing this one? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, again, um, you know, these injuries are going to probably cause some, some issues um, for, uh, for Wisconsin and, and just I mean, obviously if they are good for any team. I I think the loss of Mordecai in and is going to obviously severely impact that that uh that passing game as a threat. Um, yes, they have Braylon Allen, but even he was dinged up during the game last week, so it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be really tough sledding for uh, Wisconsin's offense to score some points. I think that um, Illinois' defense we've seen look really good at times. Yeah. Um, and I think they're, you know, the pieces are all there. They very well could. Um, and if you really are only having to be concerned about Braylon Allen, you know, and if he's dinged up already, it's not a very not not really hard to figure out because they're going to have to ride him. They're going to. I don't know. Maybe Locke shows up and blows us all away, but I'm not expecting that at this time. I think he's got some talent, but I think it's just he's too raw and, and inexperienced at this time to to be able to pull that off against a a pretty decent. Um, defense and so and then offensively you know I think what we heard from Brett Bielema last week you know and he was talking about or the week prior about how he was going to find some guys and he was going to you know make the necessary changes and he did he really did and he always does when he says it when he's motivated and forced to do so he makes it happen I don't know how he just does it so and and I and you saw it happen, man. You saw this this running back, this young running back, Fagan, looked fantastic. He's a beast. He's like you know like another 
you know, they talk about him now just kind of the same way Braylon Allen was talked about in, in a certain respect. So mm-hmm. you've got that to deal with. Luke Altmeyer was getting, he actually had some pass protection this last week and you saw what he could do. He looked good. He was doing, he, he looked fine. And if he's given some time, he's not running for his life. He can produce for you. Plus he's mobile. So, you know, I think for me, the way I'm looking at this right now is Illinois is just moving. They, they look good. They do look more confident. You know, that game last week between Iowa and Wisconsin, just both of those teams just beat each other up a little too much. So they really did. It could be a, another rough game for Wisconsin. Yeah. My question is, can Illinois stop the run? Because if they can, this is going to be a really good game, I think. Yeah. If not, Wisconsin could win convincingly. I think there's a version of this game where Wisconsin shows up and can just run the ball and Illinois defense. Illinois D can be really good, but they've been super inconsistent all year. Yes. So it's which Illini defense is showing up. You know, that's a big question for me. Um, How does Locke look at QB? Can he be anywhere near as effective as Mordecai was? Probably not. Not the usage. They're probably not going to rely on him to throw and run as much as Mordecai did. But, you know, if he can play at a decent standard that would help a lot for Wisconsin and probably give them a chance to win this game. Um, can the Illinois O-line block Wisconsin? Uh, Cause if they can't and Altmeyer is running for his life, then I think it's going to come down to turnovers again. And Wisconsin's going to win it that way from winning the turnover battle. So I'm really interested to see how the Illini O-line looks against Wisconsin. And then, like I said, the turnover battle, we know Altmaier throws a lot of picks. What about Locke? He threw a pick last week. Is he going to throw another one this week? We don't know. Whichever team protects the ball better will have an advantage in what's projected to be a really tight game. John, like I said, this is a really hard... I had a really hard time picking this game. Yeah, it's a tough one, dude. I think it's going to be a close, hard-fought game as well. Um, but I think you're right. You know, um, It's going to come down to the trenches. I think it's going to become... You know, Illinois offensive line and uh, Wisconsin defensive defensive line and seeing how that how that plays out. And that'll be the deciding factor. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What's your pick? Well, <clears throat> I do think I think Illinois just seems to get some stuff together here. We've seen the flashes. I just got a feeling that Bielema has them finally clicking enough. Um, and I think they could be dangerous for the rest of the season. So I have Illinois winning 20 to Wisconsin's 13. Interesting. I I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just think that there are more ways this game can go well for Wisconsin than they can go well for Illinois, I think. Because um, if Wisconsin can run the ball, I think that could almost be a wrap. They could they could get by on that because I think Illinois could could run the ball okay. But if Wisconsin can really run the ball, um, but Braylon Allen's banged up too. So I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I don't have any confidence in this pick, but I have Wisconsin 20, Illinois 17. Okay. I could see it go either way. Absolutely. I'm, I feel the same way. I'm not confident in my pick either, uh, but I'm just, that's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling right now. It's going to be an exciting game to watch. I think it's going to be entertaining regardless. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the next game. We've got the Northwestern Wildcats at the Nebraska Cornhuskers. It's a 2.30 p.m. game on the Big Ten Network. The line is Nebraska by 11. Total yards, Northwestern's averaging 306 to Nebraska's 342. Yards allowed, Northwestern 362 to Nebraska's 323. Rumor out of Evanston is that QB Ben... Oh, no, that's not right. We found out that that was wrong. Ben Bryant probably isn't going to play, is he? Yeah, that's what I heard that uh, <clears throat> Brian is probably still out. I mean, it's yeah. still a game time decision, but I think they're from what I've been hearing anyways, that he's probably not going to be playing. Yeah. So that's too bad for Northwestern because he's been playing pretty well on the year. He's got 926 yards passing on 59% completions, 5.8 yards per attempt, six TDs and three picks. Um, the backups have not gotten to play as much. So I guess we'll see which backup they go with, whether it's Sullivan or Holinsky or, you know, or whatever. Cam Porter's a nice back, but Northwestern has no running game. Anything they get from the ground game is a bonus, as the Cats average just over three yards per rush. Kurtz, Johnson, and Henning are uh, Northwestern's top receiving options. Linebacker Bryce Gallagher is having a nice senior year for the Cats. 
For Nebraska, Matt Rule officially named Heinrich Harburg his starting QB, so it looks like Jeff Sims transferred away from Georgia Tech only to lose his job. Just goes to show, people, it's not always a good idea to hop in the transfer portal. If you're getting PT where you already are, that might be the best place for you. It might not be better. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Yep. Um, Heinrich Harburg is completing just 52% of his passes on 6.6 yards per attempt, four TDs and two picks. However, as we always say, he's a big weapon on the ground with 352 yards rushing, 5.1 yards per rush and three TDs. Anthony Grant is the second leading rusher behind Harburg, averaging 4.4 yards per rush. However, he could not get going last game against Illinois and will be looking to rebound in this game. With Marcus Washington out for the year, wide receiver Billy Kemp and tight end Thomas Fedoni lead Nebraska in receiving, but Nebraska will make its hay in the run game. And on defense, DT Nash Hutmacher is having a nice year for Nebraska. Uh, John, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I think, you know, the loss of Bryant is just going to hurt a little too much. He was, he really kind of, he was that offense. He he really yeah. made them kind of, kind of, kind of tick. And I, I think um, it's just tough, man. And, and it stinks to see Cam Porter's talent kind of, you know, in my opinion, go to waste. You know, he's. It he's, is disappointing, right? Because he can sad. play. Oh, he can totally play. Yeah. And we've seen it for, yeah, for a number of years it. now. And yeah. So, yeah, man, that makes me sad. Um, but, you know, it, they just, you know, Northwestern's in a tough spot. But I think they're doing pretty good with what they have um, at, at this point. I think they're still a threat. Um, just not as much without Bryant there. I think Sullivan might, you know, obviously that he had the start the last time he came in and and, uh, and finished out um, after Bryant went down. And he looks okay. You know, I don't think he has the arm strength, um, but he, he looked okay. But he's also, he's more of a dual threat. So you got that. Right. Um, but I just, unfortunately, you know, for them, I think Nebraska, that defense is just too good. And I think that they pretty much will be able to have their way um, throughout the game. And and Nebraska's offense continues to look better too. Not that they're, you know, they're not blowing anybody away either, but they they are consistently getting better. Harburg looks great. Um, he's becoming more accurate. He's got a great connection with Fedoni. Um, and he's a constant threat running the ball. I mean, he's a freaking bruiser, too, at the same time. So I think that Nebraska is starting to get their momentum going. Um, I think they're, they've are they established an identity, and they're not fancy, but they don't care, and they're just doing what they do. I mean, much like Iowa. I was like, this is who we are. It may be ugly at yep. times. But this is what we do, and it freaking works. They're leaning into identity, absolutely, and you have to, especially this time of the season. You do not, you you better figure that out quick if you're not there already. And I think Nebraska's figured it out, so I think they're they're going to continue to look good. And I think right now, um, unfortunately, Northwestern is just not in a good position when it comes to that. And that's not really their fault. It's just injuries. It's the way it goes. Yeah, um, new coach, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes that's just how things go down. But I um, I think. Uh, I'm leaning towards Nebraska with this. Um, I think they're going to be able to roll. Yeah. If Bryant's playing, it's a lot different game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I changed my score to account for that. So um, I just, I think without Bryant, I don't know how Northwestern moves the ball. So I just think Nebraska is going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball, play defense and win this game convincingly. Yeah. All right. I have got the Nebraska Cornhuskers 23. The Northwestern Wildcats seven. Okay. <clears throat> I have Nebraska Cornhuskers 28 and the Northwestern Wildcats seven. Right on. All right. Moving on to our lone night game. The last game of the day. We've got the number two Michigan Wolverines visiting East Lansing to take on the Michigan State Spartans. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC. The line is Michigan by 24. Uh, for Michigan, QB J.J. McCarthy makes it all work with just over 1,500 yards passing, 78% completions, 10.6 yards per attempt, 14 TDs, three interceptions, stellar numbers across the board. Blake Corum continues to be the star at running back with 546 yards and 5.7 yards per rush and 12 TDs. And wide receivers, Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson and tight end Colston Loveland are household names at this point with all the big plays they make every week. Um, on defense, Jalen Harrell at D end is having a really nice year with three and a half sacks. 
For Sparty, Caden Hauser took over at QB for Noah Kim, and so far in the time he's played, Hauser has 291 yards passing on 6.5 yards per attempt, two TDs and a pick. Uh, Sparty's looking to bounce back from that Rutgers collapse where they look like they were going to win the game and it just didn't happen. Nathan Carter leads the way for the Spartan rushing attack, uh, but Jalen Berger's gotten healthy and is a decent backup. And wide receivers Trey Mosley and Montori Foster lead the receiving core. Malik Carr is a weapon at tight end that they might need to look to in this game. And on defense, Cal Halliday is having a nice year at linebacker with 41 tackles. So, John, how are you seeing this game? Um, <laughs> I, I just feel, feel bad for Sparty. Um, but that's anybody who faces this Michigan team. I think, you know, maybe I'm hoping to see uh, some fight, maybe some, um, you know, having that rivalry spark some kind of energy or or something into Sparty. Um, I know we talked about it on our prior attempt of recording, uh, but like, and we've talked about it actually in the prior podcast or two also about JJ McCarthy and, and how sometimes he just doesn't seem like he's clicked in at in you know for the first like quarter or even sometimes the first half. And I don't know why. Um, I'm not sure if he's sleepwalking or if he's too, he's just too, you know, uh, juiced up or whatever. I don't know. You know, it just seems like things just aren't quite there. Obviously it clearly comes together and then everything's perfectly fine. Um, but, but um, if you, you somehow, and this is hypothetical, um, clearly, uh, and very, very, very difficult to accomplish. If somehow Michigan state were able to get two scores and I don't see that happening, but if that happened, sure. Can Michigan come back? I mean, how, how, how much would that change that game and change that momentum and the mentality of that Michigan team actually being down, um, by a significant amount uh, that they've never seen at this point in time. And obviously nobody has scored more than 10 points against them either. So we'll see. I don't expect it. I do expect, unfortunately, Sparty to um, struggle a lot. I think they're going to turn over the ball. Uh, I think that's going to continue to be an issue and a problem. I think there's to- too much going on off field. And I know that um, I've also heard rumors and talks for weeks now and I think you mentioned it, you've mentioned it before too, about how, you know, there could be like a mass exodus of players too. in the next, you know, that's after, message after. board rumor stuff. So we yes. don't know for, we so don't like know. take that, no. take that with many grains of salt. Absolutely. So, but, but, but it when, is out there and it is, it is part of the conversation at this point. And it's been for a while. So if you think yep. these players haven't heard this kind of stuff either, and these coaches like, and it's not affecting you, like, I, I just, I don't know, man. So it's a tough spot for Sparty to be in right now. Um, I do think they have talent on that team. They can do things. They can move the ball when things are clicking, when they're protecting the ball. Uh, but I think, you know, they're just overmatched here. Um, you know, even if things were, were doing better off, off the field, I think Sparty's just overmatched. Yeah. My question for Sparty is, can they avoid turnovers? Mm-hmm. If they somehow, no one else has against Michigan, everyone else has turned the ball over a lot. But if Sparty could somehow avoid turnovers, win the turnover battle, fight really hard, you know, maybe Michigan, like you said, maybe J.J. McCarthy's too amped. Maybe he throws a pick or two, um, trying to force things early, and that gives Sparty some momentum. I don't really think that's going to happen, but I have to try to figure out how this game could be competitive at any point. And does Sparty have any good trick plays they could use early in the game to try to get a lead? You know, Mm -hmm. is there something out out of the bag of tricks? Um, I don't know. It's tough. Michigan doesn't have any apparent weaknesses. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They, they stop the run. And if you pass the ball, they will terrorize your quarterback and he'll be running for his life. Everyone we've seen against them. Eventually the opposing quarterback is running for his life, no matter what, who the team is. That's just the way it's been against Michigan. So I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me to see how Sparty is competitive in this one. Same, unfortunately. All right. You want to pick it? Sure. I have Michigan 38 to Sparty's 7. All right. Pretty close. I have Michigan 38 Sparty three. Okay. 
I think Sparty gets, I think in the first quarter at some point they get going and get, you know, and get a field goal, maybe off a turnover or something. And, but I don't think, I think it's going to be, I think that's going to be it. Yeah. I have the same scenario. Just they happen to actually get a touchdown. Um, Yeah. But yeah, then that's all they write. All they wrote. Awesome. All right, John, is there any announcement you want to make before we roll out of here? Yes, once again, everybody, um, if you want to find us, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict. You can also find us on Twitter at We Live for B1G Sat. That's at We Live for B1G Sat. Uh, please email us questions, things you want to hear on future pods. I think we want to, we should probably just start this now. Um, if people, we want to eventually have some mailbag questions down the line, especially once the season's over. Um, and so if you want to start sending us things, questions, thoughts, theories, could be anything about anything with the big 10 expansion, uh, history stuff, whatever you want to talk about, we're all about it, man. So, um, you can email us at we live for Saturday, B1G at gmail.com. That's we live for Saturday, B1G at gmail.com. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for listening. It's going to be an exciting week eight of football um i can't wait i cannot wait i'm so pumped for all of these games john it's going to be absolutely wild and i think our podcast is the next podcast our review podcast will be delayed until monday night um, yeah i'll be out of town yep because john is going elsewhere all right well thank you so much for listening please give us a five-star review and a rating on spotify or apple podcasts and take it easy have a good one